when you say to somebody, write something, you're essentially saying to them, think of something. I mean, that's the first task. You've got to figure out what to write in order to write anything. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Director of Marketing. Our goal here is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. Andrew, we are on episode 123 today. It's hard to imagine. Hard to imagine. We've been doing this since August of 2015. Time flies when you're having fun. (laughs) I wonder how many times in our podcasts (laughs) we've made some reference to how many we've been doing this. I think you and I are both surprised that we continue to do this and continue to have more to talk about. Well, we both talk a lot. <laughs> and you, well, you are the professional talker, as you often say. So in August of 2015, episode number two, we did a podcast on listening. Oh, isn't that nice? Episode number two, we started right off with the four language arts. Episode number three was speaking. And then we took a break to do a webinar because we've had many of our listeners of our webinars ask us if we could do the recordings of those webinars as podcasts. So we do. Number five was, can you guess? I'm guessing reading. Good guess. You're exactly right. Number six? Writing. Very good. Number seven? The seven days of Christmas. No, um, (laughs) I don't know. That was another webinar. (laughs) Oh, okay. These are trick questions. That was a trick question. That wasn't even fair. But number eight, we did an episode on thinking. Episode number eight, we were talking about thinking. And during that episode, you said, someday we're going to have to do an advanced thinking podcast. And I remember that. 120-some episodes later, here we are doing an advanced episode on thinking. How do we think about that? <laughs> hey, you just you thought of it, Boss. I just <laughs> I just wrote it down and said we got to think about this some future time. And so here we are. So before we get into some of your ideas of advanced thinking, like <laughs> can we just start with the basics? What is the basics of thinking? Well, we have often talked about this in the context of, you know, teaching writing. When you say to somebody, write something, Mm -hmm. you're essentially saying to them, think of something. I mean, that's the first task. You've got to figure out what to write in order to write anything. And so for a lot of students, that kind of hits them with a shock. They walk in and take, for example, an ACT or SAT test that gives them an essay question, or they have some type of prompt that they have to respond to, you know, for a, a state standards type of evaluation district or even some homeschool curriculums will do this and uh, so it is interesting to see that that's the stress in fact you asked me to write an article recently and I believe my response was I don't know what to write (laughs) pretty much (laughs) 
And you prompted me with some questions that helped me get past that. So we all have some challenges when it comes to organized, purposeful, intentional thinking on demand. We all think, right? You can't not think. I suspect this happens to many men, but when I am with my wife, say, driving or whatever, and we've experienced maybe an entire two minutes of silence, she will very often say, what are you thinking about? Mm -hmm. I know some men can get a little bit irritated by that. (laughs) Uh, One of my friends said, I tell her I'm thinking about keeping the truck between the lines. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) At which point she would say, Thank you for that. Or, really? (laughs) Really? (laughs) So we we have this continuous flow Mm -hmm. of images and and little scripts and things we've heard and memories, and they just kind of bounce around almost randomly in our mind almost all the time. So it's easy to consider thinking as something that you don't have to try to do, Mm. that it just happens. Mm -hmm. But when you come up to this wall of now you have to think about this now, it requires a lot of skills that perhaps are not as developed in many of us as we wish. Mm -hmm. One thing is you've got to turn off the stream of random uh, access jumbling uh, so that you can focus, so that you can narrow down and look at the thing you're supposed to now actually think about. I've tried the experiment many times, particularly with groups of high school students. I love doing it with groups of high school students because they are very honest Mm -hmm. and say, how do you think? If someone says, think now about this, how do you make that happen? How do you turn it on? Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is almost no one can answer this question. Uh, The most common answer I get is, you use your brain. Okay, great. So how do you use your brain? Uh, You just think of stuff. You know, it just (laughs) happens. It's a kind of a passive intransitive type of verb. If, If you just wait around long enough, it'll come to you. Of course, the problem is some of us could be waiting around a long time. I've seen you actually have this conversation with a group of teens recently, and what you're describing is exactly what happened, added to a definition of tautology. Yes, tautology is when you essentially define a word with itself, so uh, (laughs) circular reasoning. So thinking is using your brain. How do you use your brain? You think of stuff, so you don't don't get anywhere. Uh, So it's something we've all been pondering, working with, trying to say, okay, what's the key? You know, how do you get thinking skills? Is thinking a teachable, learnable skill? Right. I I, I think when I, <laughs> that's going to be hard not to say, I think, <laughs> throughout this podcast, but I do think that in some ways, it's a little ostentatious of us to say, we are about listening, speaking, reading, writing, thinking. A lot of language arts companies might mention the first two or three or maybe even four, but to go all the way to say we teach thinking, wow, that's a little bit obnoxious maybe, but I know it's true. Well, it's probably not something I would have said 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. It's been a process of discovery, although Orwell made an interesting observation 
George Orwell wrote 1984, Animal Farm, those books. He said, if you can't write, you can't think. And if you can't think, others will do your thinking for you. Isn't that the truth? So the discipline of writing is a training in far more than just the practicality of putting ideas on paper or on pixels on a screen. We have this fun word that I've used for many years with students. It's on our one of our LY word lists. It's quintessentially. Mm-hmm. And of course, we hit that word and all these little kids are like, quintess, what? Right. You know? <laughs> so I often would say, tell you what, go home, find out what this word means. Find out why quint is part of it. And I'll give you a quarter. Of course, now inflation is forcing me to pay more. You know, yes. 15 years ago, eight-year-olds were excited about a quarter. Now it's like, a quarter? Why would I bother? <laughs> right. Give me a dollar. Uh, maybe. Any case, it's a game. And so what is this word, quintessential? Uh, most people have heard it, know it. Most people know that quint means five. Mm-hmm. But if you track it down, it's fascinating because you go to the medieval alchemy where there were the elements. Okay. The four elements, you know. I know the four elements. Let me see. It's not the four food groups. <laughs> no, but it was the name of a, a, a popular music oh, group when earth, you were younger. Earth, wind, and fire. What's yeah, the four? But there's air. Air. Okay, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. So um, earth, air, fire, and water. Okay. Being the four elements of medieval alchemy. But what are those things made of? You know, if you can boil everything down to earth, air, water, or fire, what is water made of? What is fire made of? That's the question. Mm -hmm. And so they came up with this idea of a fifth essence, a fifth element that was the stuff from which everything else was made. Mm -hmm. So the ether, if you will. Uh, That's where we get a word etheric. We also get the word quintessence, or the fifth essence. Mm -hmm. So the stuff from which everything else comes That's the quintessence. So when we think about our four language arts, listening, speaking, reading, writing, what is the stuff from whence all that comes? Well, it would be the thinking, wouldn't it? The idea precedes the hearing of the idea. The idea precedes the speaking of the idea. The idea precedes the reading of it and the writing of it. And so that's why we would talk about the thinking skill as the fifth of the language arts. Mm. So uh, let me just ponder this a moment. I Again, I like to think of myself sitting in the seat of the listener. So listener, ponder with me, listening. Do I have to think about something while I'm listening? If I don't, then I'm not truly listening. Then I'm hearing noise in the background and paying attention to something else. So yes, I do need to think. Well, and it's interesting in English and in other languages, we have two words that are almost synonyms, but not quite. Right. So we have hearing, mm-hmm. which you do all the time anyway, whether you want to or not. Mm-hmm. You, you go to put gas in your car, and you're forced to hear <laughs> the little television screen with irritating music while you're <laughs> trying to just put gas in your car. Mm-hmm. You can't not hear that. Mm-hmm. However, listening implies you're listening to something, listening for something. It's a transitive verb. It requires an object. Mm-hmm. Same thing with talking and speaking. Speaking, right? right. So we talk all the time. 
sometimes mindlessly. <laughs> but to speak implies intentionality, doesn't it? Right. And when I think of my, now I have a granddaughter, so I think of her listening. And sometimes what she listens to is me reading stories to her on an MP3, which is very fun. You cannot quit talking about that. You're I, so excited. I am. I am very excited about it. But I know that, that she's listening kind of in the back. She's hearing. She's hearing, but gradually yep. that becomes more listening and, right. and intentionality. Yep. And, of course, uh, we've talked many times about how the listening creates the foundation for all of the language right. activities. Right, right. Uh, and you've heard me say, you know, it's it's hard to think a thought that you don't have the words right. to think it in. Right. And of course, th- these books that I'm reading to my granddaughter are inspiration from you. Rich to do in that vocabulary. Very That's right. Do that very thing that you suggest to our listeners on Nurturing Competent Communicators. Boy, I better practice what you're preaching, right? <laughs> <laughs> so the speaking right now, she is not speaking at least intentionally. She accidentally says mama and probably daddy more than dada more than mama, but she's not really speaking yet at seven months old. But if we do know how to speak and we speak without thinking, it's how we get in trouble, right? Sometimes our (laughs) heart doesn't check in with our brain and we blurt out things that can be quite emotional. So thinking is a good idea to Employ. Yes, employ I'm your quite so. certain my father said to me at least a thousand times, <laughs> maybe tens of thousands of times while I was growing up, Andy, think before you speak. Yes. So, yes, it's important. We don't necessarily consider thinking to be a teachable, learnable right. skill. Right. We throw it in the area of, you know, we talk, we hear. Those aren't necessarily taught and learned, whereas listening skills can be developed. Mm-hmm. Speaking skills can be developed. So we would argue that thinking skills can be developed. Right. Especially if now continuing, listening, speaking, reading, again, active reading, if you're reading a an enjoyable piece of fiction or something, you may not be thinking as deeply, but if you are not thinking as deeply, then maybe you're missing parts of what the author is saying. So active reading requires thinking, and you've already talked about writing, and if you're you're not thinking about what you're writing. It becomes this stream of consciousness type writing that no one actually wants to read. But we've all had the experience of reading a page of something, turning the page, and then wondering, what did I just read? Mm-hmm. And it's boom, you know, in one side, out the other. Yep. What helps lock that in? Right. And of course, there's all sorts of people trying to promote. Here's your study skills methodology. Here's your way of extracting information from text and Mm -hmm. making it more meaningful or relevant. And a lot of that involves, guess what, telling it back to someone, writing it down in your own words, and even annotating the book as you go along, which requires the same skill we start with in Unit 1 of the TWSS. Exactly right. Which is... Well, keyword outline. Keyword outline. So you can watch a sentence, watch the words go by, and not engage with it. But when you read a sentence and you have to ask yourself a question. What are the most important words in this sentence? That is a different type of reading. Mm -hmm. What are the most important words? In other words, what does this really mean? If I want to move that from the page through my brain to somewhere, 
there's a whole different level of engagement. And of course, you know, we've heard many times from special ed teachers, teachers, parents who have kids who've struggled with reading comprehension or whatever, that just doing the keyword outline has huge advantage. Yes. You don't even have to take it to the unit two or the next step or anything. So, Andrea, you mean to say our writing system actually promotes reading comprehension? That's what we've been told Yes. by a lot of, I would say, rather impartial observers who mm-hmm. found that in the process. But it you know, it does extend to the question, if thinking is a teachable, learnable skill, is it necessary? Is it possible? How would you go about doing it? And didn't everybody used to know better mm-hmm. how to think? We... Old people like us, <laughs> we tend to look at the good old days. Of mm-hmm. course, our parents looked at their good old days, and every generation looks back to the good old days saying, you know, essentially, as Cicero noted, times are bad. The currency is debased. Children don't respect their parents. Everyone is writing a book. <laughs> <laughs> and he said that when? Yes. Hundreds of years ago. Oh, try 2,000. 2,000 years ago. (laughs) Is it possible, though, that the thinking skills of the average American are less than they used to be? I guess many of us get the feeling right around election time that certainly the thinking skills of some of the things you hear people say Uh, have declined significantly. Mm -hmm. But do we really know? Uh, Certainly we have technological advancements. So we have uh, a a line of technological thinking that is expanded beyond ever before. Sure. But But then then what about the general thinking skills? Well, back to the technological, how reliant are we now on that technology? I personally experienced this a day or so ago when I couldn't do a basic math problem without a calculator. <laughs> I was embarrassed. I said, this is this is terrible. And getting home from some unknown place, a map? I'll yeah. just ask my GPS where to go. How do we do anything for <laughs> phones? You know? But I suppose we would suspect that the beginning of a decline, at least in a certain way, mm. came in with television. Mm. Uh, television is what you might call radically passive, which yes. sounds like an oxymoron, mm. but it changes people to be more passive. And there's all sorts of you know interesting research about that. Uh, one that stuck out to me was that uh, it takes more brain activity to stare at a blank wall than it does to watch a sitcom on a television. Sure. Of course, that makes sense mm-hmm. because if you're staring at a blank wall, you are forced to remember something, imagine something, access some kind of thing that will occupy you because humans are not designed to be bored. Mm-hmm. We see this in young children who literally believe that they would die of boredom. <laughs> and yet, kind of moved into a point where now we use entertainment and we shut down our brain because we just want to relax. Right. But 100 years ago, that was not a possibility. Mm -hmm. People had to listen and read books. They had to look at nature. They had to look at paintings. They had to exercise their thinking, their imagination, their interior 
language, mm. much more so than today where it's very easy to be entertained. So if I were to ask you that question, Andrew Poudois, how do you think, what would be your answer? Well, you start with the supposition that thinking is getting something out of your mind, mm-hmm. right? And you can't get an idea out of your brain that isn't in there to begin with. Right. Just like you can't use a word in speaking or writing that isn't in there to begin with. <laughs> right? We're limited. Mm-hmm. So our, our output, our ability to think things, is going to be limited by the stuff that's in our brain that came in through our sensory motor pathways, through the experience of our life. So when we're saturated with the good and great books and the good and great language and and the beautiful uh, ways of phrasing things, the ideas, if you will, then we can have those ideas and use them to think thoughts. But the trick then is getting it out. Exactly. We changed in our TWSS Mm -hmm. two years ago when we redid it. We changed Unit 7 from creative writing Mm -hmm. to inventive writing. Mm -hmm. And that was done very intentionally. Mm-hmm. Creative writing kind of has a lot of baggage associated with it. So we didn't actually change our Unit 7. We changed what we called Exactly. We okay. changed what we called Unit 7. Yeah, the process is the same as mm-hmm. it always has been. Uh, but what's interesting is the root of the words. Okay. So creative is from the Latin verb creo, which means to create okay. um, something from nothing, Hmm. essentially. When it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, that was the verb, creo, right? Ex nihilo. Um, Whereas inventive comes from invent, invention, Mm -hmm. inventory, that's all from the Latin verb invenio, which means to find or discover. Okay. So this is helpful for writers. This is helpful for student writers, because when you say, be creative, be unique, produce something that nobody's ever done before, it's kind of like saying, kid, be like God, you know, mm-hmm. produce something from nothing. Whereas we don't do that. Humans <laughs> produce something from something. Right. We don't make a cake. We assemble ingredients into and through a process, come out with a cake, but we don't produce it from nothing. Same thing with writing, same thing with thinking. We can't think a thought that isn't in there somewhere to begin with. Mm. So inventive writing, invenio, find or discover. Find or discover something that's in your mind and get it out. So there's there you are at the basic process. And I just, I tease the kids too. I say, if you want to be good at getting stuff out of your brain, just imitate your mom because your mom knows how to get stuff. Yes, she does. <laughs> and what does she do? She asks questions. Exactly. She asks you stuff like, where have you been? What exactly have you been doing? Who else was there? Why are you late? How are you going to clean this up? Right? Your mom becomes a master question asker. Mm -hmm. So if you want to become a good thinker, the first step is to become a master question asker to yourself. It reminds me, one time many years ago, I was in Hawaii. And I was teaching a student writing intensive, a four-day course. So I had, you know, a bunch of kids in the room. And usually I have to diffuse the negative energy because there's people who, you know, there's children who are brought into a four-day writing class who aren't actually thrilled about being there on the first day. 
So, okay, who, you know, who likes writing? Okay, who hates writing, right? I had this little girl. She couldn't have been a day over seven. She was so tiny, little, cute little Asian girl. She pops up and goes, I love writing. Okay, great. So, <laughs> wonderful. Does anyone ever have the problem, don't know what to write about? Yeah, okay. Almost everybody who hates writing has that problem. This little girl, she pops up. I always knew what to write about. So I'm a little thinking, okay, if she always knows what to write about, she pro oh, her mom probably already got our seminar. She knows all about keyword outlines and story sequencer and dress-ups and all that. So I said to her, so do you know all about keyword outlines and dress-ups and story sequence chart and all that? And she looks at me, no. Okay. No. So I'm thinking, how does she always know what to write about? So I asked her, I said, how do you always know what to write about? She goes, my mommy taught me. And I'm thinking, what did your mom teach her? So I asked her, what did your mom teach you? She said, my mommy taught me. If you want to know what to write about, you just ask yourself, who, what, where, why, when, how? Who, what, where, why, when, how? If you just ask yourself, who, what, where, why, when, how? You'll always know what to write about. I was in awe. A seven-year-old being taught to think right. <laughs> gives you hope for the country. Mm-hmm. But that is it. And so easily do we see that once we have a basic subject idea or a prompt or a topic or something that we have to think about, if we simply ask those basic questions, who, what, where, why, when, how, and try them in different forms, and not all of them work for every topic, but we immediately define that those words are like little rodents that run around in our mind (laughs) searching for the chest nuggets Mm. that we can then use to say something Mm -hmm. about what we want to talk about. Mm -hmm. The next question, of course, is how do we do that in an even more organized way, and how do we be sure that those little chest nuggets of thought are going to be useful to our purposes? And I think... (laughs) You think. I do. (laughs) It is funny how many times we've used the word think in this podcast. We'll have to ask our podcast princess to count for our listeners to see how many times we put that in the show notes. So I will say this, though. In closing for today, I think we're out of time. So I think (laughs) we're going to have to pick up on advanced thinking next week. No, you know we're out of time. I know we're out of time. This is true. Talk to you then. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or Stitcher, or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Poudois and the team at IEW, I thank you for the privilege of allowing us to partner with you on this educational journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking. 